You are now listening to Hello Hello Kobe Kimilo Podcast episode 68 with Bay Dusay who recently just graduated from Melbourne and now back in KL. She's 21 years young and she's creative and she sings. She does covers on YouTube and Instagram and she makes short films. And she has an obsession for Milo. Milo, yes, me. Yes, oh no, not really. The hot chocolate Milo. Yeah, so she loves coffee, of course. And the interesting part when I asked her, Hello, hello, Kopika Milo. And she said, And yeah, they actually makes amazing short film. By the way. I mean, short video, short film, short montage, however you may label it. Thank you so much for listening to Hello, hello, Kopika Milo. Come all the way to episode 68. Yeah, it's a long way, and I can't thank you enough for your support. Thank you, Godspeed, and enjoy your journey in life. Okay, this is Hello Hello Kopi Camilo podcast, and today we have Bay Doucet. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> is that is that like a French? So it's yeah, it is French. Um, my dad is American, but from Louisiana. So a lot of people from Louisiana are Cajun, which means they come from. French ancestry. How does it feel like to be you? you know what How I mean? does Because it feel like to be me? Yeah. You mean growing up in Malaysia? No, I mean growing up to be Bay, to be you with, with your identity and growing up in Malaysia. Yeah. At the same time, being so tall physically, <laughs> you know. And how do you adjust? Yeah, yeah. In in. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because growing up, I was always very aware of it. I went to Chinese school for primary school, so I was like the only non-Chinese person in my Chinese school. Would you consider yourself non-Chinese? Well, I think when you go to Chinese school and you're the only person who's mixed and you look different and you have curly hair and you're a head taller than everyone else, yeah. it's well, hard you, to... You were, you yeah, were. I was like a head taller than everyone else. I was in the middle of every class picture because I was taller than the boys, everything. <laughs> um, it's hard to think of myself as Chinese when I didn't like look like them physically, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the older I've gotten, I think I just identify as Malaysian most of the time. Unless people ask follow-up questions, I will just say I'm Malaysian because that's where I was born, that's where I was bred. Um, but sometimes it does feel weird, I guess, because there is a whole other half of me that I feel like I neglect mm. often. Right. In what yeah. sense? In what, in what, the other half as in the Western side? Or? Yeah, the Western side. I mean, not to get too deep, but... Because my, my dad, who's the American side of me, um, he left when I was 13. So I've always grown up with my mom, who is Malaysian Chinese. And I've grown up here, going to Chinese school, taking SPM. You know, my favorite drink is Milo. I like to eat wonton mee. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's me. Um, even if that's not what people see at first glance. So um, you consider yourself an artist? Um, I would consider myself, I guess, a designer. Designer. Even though I think it's been a pretty tough journey to feeling comfortable. Like confident enough to say that, um, I think I spent a long time, even throughout studying design in uni and everything, took a long time before I was like confident enough to say, yeah, I'm a graphic designer. I'm a designer. It just, yeah, I felt like you had to do a certain amount of things in order to live up to that title. Yeah. Um, almost. Okay. So, But, what about growing up? Have you always been the creative child? Have you always? Because um, I, from my from my perspective, there's mm-hmm. two kind of. Creatives as a as a young kid, right? There's the introvert ones, and there's more outgoing performing performance type of creative. Yeah. So I I would say you are probably the introvert thinker, 
Will you consider yourself that? It's interesting because I think I'm a bit of both. Oh yeah. Um. So growing up, I did musicals. Musicals as a yeah. performance. Performance. Performing yeah. Cool. Performing arts. Um. I did musicals outside of time in primary school, and then when I got to secondary school, I was very fortunate that my school had like talent shows and musicals. So I was always like joining all the singing competitions. Um. And actually, when I was in high school, I was. I had a YouTube channel, Ooh. so I used to post covers and originals. I started writing music, um, okay, okay. and I was pretty strongly heading in that direction. Um, yeah, I loved performing. I loved writing music. I still write music, um, and I just loved performing. But I think somewhere along the line, you get busy with other things, and then I think I would I would credit it definitely to both my parents. They both did. Um, they're both landscape architects, so both in the creative field. Um, but also, like my mom growing up has, I guess, always just encouraged me. To do what I wanted to do, I was never forced to do something that I didn't want to, and she never. It's not like I got bad grades, but she never pressured me that I had to get all A pluses or whatever. It was she really encouraged、um, me to just do what I wanted to do. When I was younger, I used to go to speech and drama class. I went to art classes, like whatever I wanted to do. She sort of let me explore, which I'm really privileged to have that experience growing up. Yeah, because I feel、um, your film is a short film. I, I I don't know how you consider that. Is that a short film or short short montage of yours? I really really love it. Like、oh, the one with、you. the voiceovers and then you have about self love. Is it self love? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's、Thank、underrated.、You. I feel <laughs> that is underrated. I mean, if the world, you don't have to go to the whole world. I guess the Asian Southeast Asian urban、yeah. creatives can get the exposure to that content. Yeah. Loved it, and you. your your fans or your your the people that admire your work would have increased exponentially. How was the process like? Do you have? I was that was that like in you? Yeah, I feel、yeah. like those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts that I have often for myself. And I think when it comes to making like little videos for Instagram and stuff, which I enjoy doing, kind of chaotic in the sense that I don't have a plan going into it. I. I just take shots of whatever I'm doing that I feel like I would like to document, and when I'm watching the video afterwards with the music over it, I just write a script sort of loosely based on what I want to say,、um, and then I record it. It's very like not well planned at all, but I think、um, I've always tried to be very authentic on Instagram, and in that sense, it's easier to make these type this like this type of content because I'm just being true to myself and true to my beliefs and what I think and what I value.、Mm. So it just comes more naturally, I guess. So it's sort、sense. of like a personal journal. Yeah, like I would say, I do this sort of content for myself primarily,、yeah. and if other people happen to connect to it and happen to resonate with whatever I'm saying, then that makes me happy as well, I guess. So for those kind of content, right? Because I feel that that has quality on its own,、mm. and would you say that is easily achievable and anyone could? Do it. That kind of content. That kind of content. For sure. And and what's、yeah. stopping us? What's stopping the people think, out there? I think. Honestly, I feel a lot of people are scared to be vulnerable online, and I don't blame them. I think the internet can be quite harsh.、Yeah. Um, you know, there can be mean and nasty comments. It really just depends on the type of people that you surround yourself with.、Um, I think I'm very lucky that my Instagram community is quite kind and very supportive, and it's filled with very like-minded people who think the same way that I do, and. Um, I've been very blessed in that sense. I think with my Instagram community, that I feel safe enough to post that kind of content, be vulnerable on my days that I don't feel great.、Um, yeah, I think that's what's stopping people. But maybe they don't see that as quality, that as content that is, I don't know, commercial or 
sellable in that sense. But I feel that that is a great your greatest strength that you have to you get to be um, 100% who you are. Even because sometimes we think that we can only be happy on social media. We can yeah. only show this one side of yeah. us that is um, the, the more cheerful the side. The ideal perfect yeah. version. But yeah. If we all we are all honest to ourselves, I feel like we are all sad in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. We just need to find ways to express that. Yeah, and um, I think I don't, I've always been very aware. Um, I guess like there's so many articles about it. People always talking about Instagram is like really bad for your mental health and yeah. all this sort of stuff. And I've been so aware of that from the start because I've always enjoyed Instagram mm-hmm. as just a platform, even back when you know people didn't care about the number of followers you had and all that sort of thing. I've been always enjoyed it as a platform to share photos and thoughts and that sort of thing. Um, and I've always just been very aware that the life people share online is often really, really different from the life that they have in real life. And I never wanted the people who followed me, a majority back then who were younger than me, to think that I led this perfect, dewy, like highlight reel of, of a life. When in reality... Um, since high school I've you know struggled with depression and anxiety and these like really real mental health problems that I didn't want to have to hide and pretend didn't exist um, I thought I I don't know I really do think that Instagram even if you have a hundred followers or 50 followers or a thousand or ten thousand you have an influence on those people who follow you mm-hmm. um, in that sense making everybody an influencer and therefore you should think about the content that you're putting up and how you're affecting people with your thoughts and yeah yeah, I mean, I, I agree because like you never know who's watching, mm-hmm. and yeah. you never know who you're impacted. Yeah, you have impacted, you know. Yeah, and because uh, speaking of, you just mentioned anxiety, uh, depression, and all that. I feel that would be the main topic for today. Mm. Like, like I admire your perspective on on depression, on anxiety, on imperfection, and how you often have like sort of a little expression little write up journal on your story and I actually vibe with that I feel that it has that kinfolk kind of kind of kind of vibe yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. you know and I really like that and I know I didn't I didn't I didn't know how it works with the magazine that you put out Mm. you know because I thought that was only for the people in Melbourne Mm. so I'm like Maybe in the future I'll sign up for it. Yeah, you know because you're giving away three. Oh yeah, but I I have extra copies. I'll give you one. But also, um, the PDF is in the link of my bio on Instagram. Um, PDF isn't as fun to read, but the content is still there. Mm. Um, So, anyways, this magazine to give a backstory, I guess the magazine that I created was for my grad show project at uni. So my final project of the year that went on exhibition. Um, I decided to base the theme of the magazine around loneliness because I that's a major sort of feeling that I dealt with four years studying overseas. Um, I dealt with a lot of loneliness, a lot of homesickness, and I was thinking to myself that that's something that nobody prepared me for before I went overseas to study. Because I think a lot of people think, and it's true, that studying overseas is a privilege, and it's a privilege that not a lot of people get to have. And I was, you know, I knew how grateful I should be, and I was grateful for it. But at the same time, you know, the feelings of gratefulness and loneliness can coexist, and that's okay. because I was extremely lonely when I was there and that added to my feelings of depression and anxiety and I just kind of wanted something where people could share their experiences I didn't think it was a topic people talked about and mm. but so yeah I mean people I mean some people they do talk about it but very vaguely I feel mm. and there's no 
there's no um, direct inspection yeah. regarding depression and so anxiety. What do you think influences this? I think it can be a lot of factors. Like, you know, people can have mental health problems for so many reasons. Like, right. it can be something, an experience you had when you were younger. You know, it can be your current situation. There's just so many factors. Mm-hmm. I think loneliness is definitely something that can contribute towards it because humans were made for social interaction and if we don't get any of it, you know, you do get sad <laughs> for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so that means you were overseas in Melbourne. So, the, the lack of social interactions you mentioned, right? Yeah, I think it's... Well, for me at least, I'm very close to my mom. Mm-hmm. And just having, I guess... Sometimes, I guess, social interactions are not good enough. Like, let's say you're only hanging out with acquaintances that you vaguely know. It's not really deep connections where you're having these deeper, longer conversations that you want or you need. Um, I think that's what it is also. Most people see overseas as the dream. Yeah, for sure. Going overseas, studying overseas. Coming from your own words, what would you say that? Is that, is the grass always green on the other side? Or is that just... Is that just an illusion, you think? I think it's definitely just an illusion. Um, I think some people have to go overseas to realize that. Some people don't. Um, Some people do go overseas and realize that the grass is greener on the other side because I guess it's different for everybody. Um, You know, not everybody's going to love New York because it's such a big city. Not everybody's going to love KL. Like, every city, every country has its flaws. Um, but it's where you feel you fit in and where you feel you belong. And I know I belong here. I think it really just depends. I don't know if you believe in fate or <laughs> um, just the idea that there is a plan somehow, some way. But I guess I sort of do. And the doors happen to open in Kale for me. They didn't open in Melbourne. Yeah, um, no matter how much I tried mm. to, you know, to settle in and, and fit in there. The doors opened in Kale and I took that as a sign that coming home was a better idea. And it's been good so far. So... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what was the? Why did you choose Melbourne in the first place? Um, I chose Melbourne because it wasn't that far from home, um, but also uh, I don't know. I visited the city a couple of times before I decided to study there, and I loved the city. I think visiting somewhere on holiday and actually living there are two very very different things. Yeah. Um, but I Melbourne is still a beautiful city. I still love it. I love the coffee. You know, I love the gardens, the parks. There's so much I love about it. It just isn't home. Yeah. What, what, what if you could actually bring your whole family and friends to Melbourne? Would, would, it, would you consider it home physically? I don't think so. Environmentally? I don't think so. No? No. Is, I it think the food? Is it the food? Because like most Malaysians consider... Complain Mal- about the food. But com- yeah. Melbourne, Melbourne actually has a lot of Malaysian good restaurants. Yeah, um, right. Good food and all that sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe I just have this strange attachment to where I grew up and... You know, I'm comfortable with my surroundings in KL. that sense in KL. And I I think in being a designer as well and being a creative person and seeing everything that's happening in KL right now in terms of, you know, event spaces opening up and, you know, all the design work that's being done here and coming out and the artists and everything. I feel very proud mm-hmm. to be Malaysian in that sense. And um, when I was debating whether to come back for good or to stay in Melbourne and try for a PR it really came down to do I want to contribute to another country's success and growth or do I want to do that for my country? And I really want to be a part of what's happening in KL right now because I, you know, I think it's worth being a part of and it's heading in a really cool direction. What is your favorite cup of coffee? Something 
What is my favorite cup of coffee? Uh-huh. Um, I love soy lattes. Soy latte. Yeah, but I don't often pay the three ringgit extra for soy when I'm in Malaysia. You don't have to pay extra in no. Melbourne, right? Uh, you do, but it's 50 cents, so it doesn't feel as bad. Three ringgit feels like a little bit excessive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, soy latte. And will you consider yourself a morning person or a night person? Night owl? Neither. I sleep at an average time and I wake up at an average time. Mm-hmm. I don't... Yeah, don't love either that much. <laughs> do, you, do you think like our lifestyle as a as a whether we choose to be a morning person or a night owl affects our performance? I don't know, affect our happiness. I think everybody has a different system mm-hmm. that works well for them. Because um, and and this, and this question yeah. correlates to the next one. Do you think that people are more miserable? I mean, Malaysians are more are miserable overseas because of the four seasons because that we are used to the constant um sunny yeah. summer like yeah. weather that constant change and and the, the fact that winter actually mm. is really really gloomy and yeah makes us sad yeah um well to answer your first question i think that everybody has a different system that mm. works best for them okay and i think finding that takes time but when you do and you find a system and a routine that works for you and makes you feel your best you should stick to that as much as you can um second question i can't speak for all malaysians i guess but i do have a lot of friends who had um sad seasonal affective disorder i think it's called so that's just basically where you get depressed in winter um I know a lot of I knew a lot of friends who went through that just because it is very different. I think especially a lot of us who grew up in Southeast Asia, we're so used to being warm all the time and being there. It can be cold, gloomy, hailing, raining. It's not well. I I definitely hated it, but mm. yeah. Where do you where, where do you think the what is the most common complaints during winter? You think because of the lack of movement. I think, I think it's the cold because a lot of my friends as students we can't afford heating. Oh, yeah. That so part. when you can't afford heating, it's so miserable. Like you're just cold all the time. Like I have friends who will hang out in uni way past the time they should be in uni just because uni has free heaters. In a way, if you have money, then you enjoy overseas. Oh, for sure, for better. sure. Yeah. So that There's, means yeah. you can't be a broke student to enjoy overseas. You know, in, in yeah. Uni. Yeah, well, I know people who do. I know people who you manage to get part-time jobs and they find ways to make it work. Um, but for sure, if you are balling, uh, Melbourne is a fun place to be. There is so much to do when you have money. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you don't, it's a little bit miserable. With but your beliefs and your perspective and your self-awareness, right? You think that is something that you constantly work have to work on or is that naturally part of your... Um, instinct or you grew up with that self-awareness perhaps perhaps a little bit of both okay i think um i always enjoyed reading growing up Mm -hmm. but also the older i got and then when i started having anxiety i guess it makes you just stressed about so many things and it does make you overthink but i try to channel that overthinking into a more positive thing so if when i'm anxious it's what can i change about my current situation and how can i help myself to feel or be in a better place um, in that sense it is something that I work at you know um, trying to plan out what I can do I guess to make my routine something that's going to help me be perform at my best or think better or whatever um, yeah I think it's a little bit of both I've always been quite 
thoughtful, I guess, and introspective and all those things, um, like an introvert, like you said previously. So a little bit of instinct, but also a little bit of just working at it to try to get through mental health and all that sort of stuff. How are you aware that when anxiety comes, that is actually anxiety? I get a lot of physical symptoms. Right. So my anxiety is very physical as well as emotional. So I shake. Mm-hmm. Um, I have trouble breathing, like not so fun physical that, symptoms. Would that be a contribution of, um, I don't know, I wouldn't say, it, I wouldn't attack directly to social media. Would, mm-hmm. would Did con- um, social media contribute to any of the symptoms? I'm sure, I, I wouldn't say directly. Okay. Indirectly, I'm sure subconsciously I probably do compare myself to people who are more successful or people who I feel have made it and obviously as someone who's 21 like I don't want to be a failure in life I want to succeed at something I want to be good at something so I'm sure that contributes in some sense but um, I, f- I feel like even before I was really active on social media it's always been something that I've worried about um, so maybe a little bit maybe, yeah. yeah would you consider yourself successful in what you do right now? No. Hmm? <laughs> Not at all. Yeah? When, yeah? when do you feel satisfied? Maybe never. Yeah? Um, Have you ever felt satisfied? I think short term when you finish a project and you're proud of it, you do feel a short term sense of accomplishment mm. um, and satisfaction. But I think in terms of making it in life, I don't think many people ever feel that way. I mean, that's the reason why people keep going even when they have enough. Um, but... Yeah, I hope I just can continue to be happy with what I'm doing. I think that's my goal. Do you remember the first moment that you realized like your work has been appreciated? Like someone is actually um, appreciating your art or your, or your post? Yeah. Um, I can't. And how how, how yeah. did that 10,000 followers came about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in parts. Um, first yeah. part of the question. I don't remember the first time my artwork was ever complimented. Um, Maybe when I was younger and did stuff for school, but I'm not going to count that. I do remember when I first started to like really actively be vulnerable on Instagram, if that makes sense. Um, and just having people DM me really, really long messages wow. to tell me like how much they've appreciated that I shared this because they didn't know anybody else felt the same way or they didn't know anybody else was struggling with this thing or they didn't have anybody who talked about these sort of things. It That really like touched, like, I guess touched me in, in that sense because I felt... I don't know. I felt like that's what I want. Like, that's what I want my Instagram to be. I want people to know that it's okay to be human. It's okay to feel these uncomfortable feelings that people might not like to talk about. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, how did I get 10,000 followers? It's yeah. a long story, I guess. Like, oh, yeah? It's just been... I think growth is slow and I'm okay with that. Um, I never set out on Instagram to be like an influencer or anything like that. But... Um, in high school, I was just really active, like I said, in, in talent shows and stuff like that. So I had about a thousand followers from high school. Since then, it's just sort of slowly Experience grown. Goes. And I've um, my after my first year of uni, I worked retail at Snack Food in Bangsar. Um, so I worked retail for them and I did their Instagram stories over that Christmas season. And from there, I think I gained 2,000 followers just because I was talking on their stories every day and oh, that right. sort of stuff. And they have a bigger platform than me, mm. um, for sure. And since then, it's been slowly growing. I think sometimes I'll you know, do music or I'll post a cover or something like that and friends will share it. and Just slow, slow growth from there. Where, where do you see yourself in, in a sense... In this Instagram or influencer influencer world, 
where, where do you like to see yourself in time to come? Um, would, you, would you consider yourself a writer? You want to go that direction? Or it's something that you have not considered? You're just taking it step at a time? I don't... I think um, I have considered it, but I'm still taking it one step at a time. Um, I think I, no matter where it goes, I want to always be able to be authentic and real. Um, and that's the main priority to me on Instagram. Like, even if I start doing sponsored posts or, like, whichever direction Instagram takes me, um, I still want to be able to be authentic. So only work with brands that I actually like and all that sort of stuff, I guess. Do yeah. you, do you, I feel like you... Do you um, follow Marie Kondo by any chance? No, not on Instagram, but I did no, watch her. As in, as in, like, are you a big fan of hers? I watched her thing on Netflix. Oh, yeah? yeah. Do you like it? Because I feel of. like you, you have that minimalism touch. On a little your, bit. Yeah, it, a but it has nothing bit, to do maybe. with... No, not really. I okay. think I just... um, I'm just affected by clutter. Like, if a place is really... <laughs> If a place is really messy or really cluttered, I can't focus and I can't. So you're you're a tidy person, so you clean mm, a little bit. <laughs> I just don't like it to be really messy because then my brain feels messy as well. If that makes sense. Yeah, it is. How does someone declutter then? If you would, if you have any suggestions, because if somebody needs to declutter, I actually there's no way better to explain it than the way Marie Kondo explains oh, yeah. it. So if it doesn't spark joy, it's out. Yeah. Um, and I really do believe in that. Um, yeah, I've. My closet is tiny. <laughs> I just try not to hold on to things that don't bring me joy. But the things that do bring me joy, whether it's a ceramic cup that I bought three years ago that every time I drink coffee in it makes me happy. Um, sometimes it's weird stuff like that. But if it doesn't bring me joy, I just don't keep it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, because like creatives um, can't help themselves to be... To be uh, like in the group of messy people hoarders a yeah hoarders bit. yeah how, how do you how do you get rid of that characteristic I know I don't know yeah. if it's a bad thing but how does someone declutter mentally I don't know I'm still trying to figure that out yeah but I think in terms of not being a hoarder when it comes to physical things um, I just try not to let myself get too attached to physical things I think um, just, just, just try to that. value the memories more and that sort of stuff instead of valuing like physical items I guess mm. I try but I'm not great at it I just I think it's for me at least it's not about having very very little stuff it's about having stuff that you love um, everything that I own I try to make sure that I love it and that it's because I guess visual aesthetics matter a lot to me so I try to make sure everything in my room even if I have a lot of stuff everything is something that I enjoy visually looking at mm. if that makes sense what color is your room? <laughs> my walls are white most of my furniture is wood. Um, but in general, really similarly to my Instagram feed, everything is just very warm. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, let's talk about self-love. Sure. Something that you know a lot about. Maybe. <laughs> Not really. Trying to. How, how does someone love themselves with um, probably a traumatic upbringing with a lack of father figure or yeah. lack of parents or maybe abusive siblings mm. how does someone not be bombarded by the burden that they have been told yeah. you know sometimes scars can for stick sure. with you for, sure. for quite mm. maybe sometimes a lifetime right yeah. your subconscious mind how does someone believe in themselves and love themselves for what they are and what they're good at without having the doubt and that, that that voice 
the people have been telling you you know do you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah i know what you're yeah, saying like, um like for sure i'm still working through trauma of 10 years ago when my dad left still working through that every day um i know it's easier said than done but i would really i mean it when i say be kind to yourself because i think most of us put such high standards for ourselves and um it's just so hard to i don't know i feel like people put standards really high for themselves expect themselves to perform on a certain level something really practical that i try to do is write love letters to myself um i feel like if you think about the relationships that you have um with family with friends with your closest friends in general we're always really supportive and loving and caring towards our closest friends um when they're going through a rough patch we're there for them when they're going through a breakup or you know they lost their job we're always there being supportive being loving no matter what the flaw is or no matter what the issue was that happened but we're never that way towards ourselves you know um when we screw up or you know we have this big failure the first thing we do is we think we're dumb and we think we're you know never going to make it and we say all these really terrible things to ourselves even if it's just in our head we say these things and i do believe that the things that we think about ourselves and say about ourselves that manifests law and yeah law of attraction exactly. it's you know it works both ways and if you're constantly telling yourself that you're useless and you're never going to make it that's going to become your reality um i try to counter that when i feel that way i i sit down i take a piece of paper and i write down what i would tell myself from a third person point of view so if i were my best friend what would i say about this situation of how i'm feeling all that sort of stuff and i put it up on my wall and i read it when i need it and i do feel that it helps because over time you forget that you ever wrote this thing mm. um i have a letter i keep in my wallet and i forget that i wrote it sometimes i take it out and i'm like oh that's still true like i still needed that um yeah so i think it's really important to just learn how to treat yourself with kindness <laughs> yeah which is something that is very hard to do it is so hard to do it can it can seem corny yeah from, it can fr- from, for sure from a certain perspective right and yes I think another thing is people think like self-love it sounds so like you know just do a face mask or whatever and you know in some ways sometimes that is maybe what you need at that moment you need to take a break and put on a face mask and watch Netflix like that's yeah. fine but I think it's important to remember that self-love and self-care is hard work um sometimes self-care is putting on a face mask other times it means admitting that you maybe need to go to therapy or you know apologizing to a friend that you've had a grudge against for a long time like sometimes it's doing the hard stuff and letting go of stuff that you've been holding on to for a long long time it's not always just the go for a mani pedi and that sort of fluffy shallow cheesy stuff it's also the harder work i guess it's like the baggage that you have with you yeah you kind of have to let it go and be more forgiving yeah. i feel i mean there's a lot to unpack in life for sure. life is kind of deep Yeah. And I feel like that that's the one thing that I'm intrigued about you is like I feel like you're a deep person. You know, as a compliment yeah. because I I hardly meet probably out of 10 there will be two who have the stamina to have the conversation to face this kind of yeah. um reality. You know, people try people tend to avoid this kind of topic because yeah. It is kind of depressing and heavy it at is, the same time yeah. yeah but it is reality though if you mm. don't deal with it if you don't talk about it then who will yeah and <laughs> i guess i'll share my story of it of why i guess why i got to be this way if that makes sense um basically 
like I said, my dad left and I just felt like I had all this baggage. I was angry, I was depressed, I was anxious and all throughout high school. And I got to a point in uni where I realized that, you know, I'm going to be an adult. One day I'm going to get married, I'm going to have kids. And I do not want to carry this baggage of abandonment, of anger, like all these mental health issues. I don't want to carry that into my adulthood and affect my kids, affect my future husband, them, all that sort of thing. Like I, I just don't want that. I think... Yeah, and that's why I had to take ownership and do the hard work and go to therapy and, you know, try my best to heal whatever needed to be healed, even though it wasn't easy. I think going to therapy was harder than living with whatever depression or anxiety that I had. Yeah. Um, it made things worse for a while before things got better. Shit. And people don't expect it to be that way, but it is because you're going and you're talking about these things that you've avoided talking about for so many years. So it's going to be hard, but um, you do it because you want it to get better. Oh. Is therapy like for those people who don't have a clue? Yeah, so yeah, I because it, it sounds yeah. it sounds expensive. Yeah, so you it definitely I mean? it definitely is expensive. Um, so I I actually went to therapy in when I was in Melbourne mm. because luckily enough insurance when you're an overseas student covers therapy. mental health. Okay, nice. Um, so I was really lucky in that sense. I decided to take advantage of that. So I yeah I went to therapy there. It was. It was interesting. It's a little bit difficult, especially if you're an introvert. You're not used to talking about what's going on in your head, um, because you need to tell essentially a stranger what's in, what's on your mind, yeah. why why you're there, why you decided to go to therapy. Um, you need to trust them and be able to tell them the truth, even if it's hard. Um, and you know, well, my therapist was extremely supportive and extremely caring and kind, but she also needs to call you out when you're not doing the right thing. Um, And it's just, yeah, I think it's just very important to be honest if you go to therapy. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, How? Uh, what do you mean by it will get worse before it gets better? In my case, and I, I do know a few people who had similar experiences. Um, you avoid talking about whatever is causing your depression and anxiety. You avoid talking about the incident, whatever it may be. Um, and you avoid it for so long, it's actually like a coping mechanism, avoidance. Um And going to therapy, it's, I'll give you a, I, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I'll give you an example of if you're really scared of like cockroaches. Mm. Um, if you go to therapy and say you have a phobia of cockroaches, they will likely try to oh my goodness. slowly bring you closer and closer to a cockroach until, you know, you're, you get desensitized, so to speak, to it. Right. So in a sense, that's what I did in my therapy sessions was every time I went, I had to talk about my dad leaving. I had to talk about what I felt. I had to talk about you know, what I learned from that situation. I had to unlearn certain things about it as well. So an example is um, one of the false things I learned from that situation in my life was I thought that I was unlovable, you know? Hmm. Going to therapy, I had to relearn, like I had to unlearn that and then relearn that this one incident does not have to define the rest of my entire life. Um, and that's why it gets worse before it gets better because you have to face up to these things that you've been avoiding for so long. Um, yeah. I have... A phobia for rats. I have yeah. a phobia of cockroaches. Oh, really? well, actually, all bugs, but cockroaches are the worst. Not rats. Um, no, I'm fine with rats. They're just wow. like mice. Like they're not they're cute, just, they're but they're okay. Squishy and disgusting. Cockroaches are disgusting. <laughs> I can't. Like honestly, if I if I was eating at a mamak and I saw one on the floor, my feet would be up on a chair for the rest of the entire meal. Like I can't. So, you know, I find it very interesting how different personalities have different. Fears. Yeah, for sure. Because it doesn't make. I mean, I find it interesting. Like we're well. all humans. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Everybody's scared of the different things. 
Yeah, for sure. Apart from therapy, right? How does mm-hmm. someone manifest yeah. positive thoughts? I, with, yeah. with me, I, mm-hmm. I personally find in the early days, I played um, positive affirmations videos. Yep. Like, for example, uh, Joe Rogan, someone I look up to. Mm. And yeah, that can, that sort of thing actually have ingrained yep. in me. As of today, I'm actually positive subconsciously by default. So I try to. I'm, Which is a great place to be. Yeah. yeah. So I try to. I find it hard to be around negative people. Mm. Find it uncomfortable. So yeah. How how does someone? What what would you suggest apart from audio? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that therapy is unaffordable for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. thankfully, we live in a day and age where there is everything on the internet, and I think a lot of people don't take full. Like, don't use up the full potential of what the internet has to offer. Like, it's more than just memes and, you know, funny YouTube videos. It's that too, and that's entertaining. But you can learn so much. There's so many, like, psychological papers. And, you know, there's so many good self-help, self-care type YouTube videos online. Um, don't self-diagnose yourself, obviously. But at the same time, I love personality tests, mm. for example. Um, I would recommend everybody go and do the Enneagram test. The because one with the four letters, I uh, no, that's Myers Briggs. Okay. So okay, I'll tell you the difference. I feel like the Myers Briggs test, um, the results, the results are accurate, okay. but they only tell you like what's good about you. Oh. Like they're not very mean. Mm-hmm. So the Enneagram, um, you just get a number. I think one to nine. So I'm a type four. All right. And if you once once you've done the test and you have your type, um, go to the Enneagram Institute's website, and they like call you out on a lot of things like they will I mean at the end of the day it's a personality test but it is used in a lot of um, by a lot of psychologists and that sort of stuff so it is kind of helpful to know and for mine it was really accurate when I read through my weaknesses and I read through what I'm like when I'm in an unhealthy state because it will tell you on a, st- on a I think on a scale of 0 to 8 when you're super unhealthy or when you're like really healthy mentally how you act out and how that can be changed and what you can do to be better and I feel like those sort of things really help me because even if I don't go to therapy I'm trying to take steps to be more self-aware about how I'm acting when I'm not mm. feeling great and how I'm treating others and how can I improve on that mm. so Was I think Enneagram? Enneagram I think it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M alright yeah um, we'll take the test guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just no I generally do feel that the internet offers so much information that you know, there are so many books, so many videos. If you don't want to read, there are so many ways to improve yourself and mm. to be more self-aware. Mm. So, you know, go you and think, do it. <laughs> do you think that exercise helps? Yes, for sure. But I'm really bad at it. So I don't exercise. That's my weakness. Um, but it is very good. I do, yeah. I do believe it helps. Especially with anxiety. There was a period of time when... Um, I was very, very, very anxious mm. and I was going to the gym every day mm. and it helped so much. Mm. Um, my way of doing it because I don't like to exercise is I just set a little goal for myself. So I just have to be on the treadmill for half an hour. Mm. It doesn't matter if I don't get up to a run. I just have to go and do my best, like whatever the best is that I can do for that day. Mm. And I do feel that in the end, I end up running and I end yeah. up, you know, it does end up helping me feel better. So exercise yeah. definitely helps. You should do it, including me. I should do it. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of that, knowing yourself and fixing like your mental health, mm-hmm. right? With all that in check, um, coming to terms with knowing what you want to do in life, right? If someone someone is confused and sort of lost and not too sure about what to do in their life, what what sort of career to pursue? I would say I feel that way. I have no idea what I want to do. 
Um, truly, I have no idea what direction I want to go in long term in the future. I would say to people like me, well, at least what I'm doing is I'm saying yes to every opportunity that comes my way. So I'm being open to opportunities. I think I'm at an age where you literally you probably can be any age and do this. But if you're not sure what you want to do, then try as many things as you can. That's what I would have to say. Just, you know, intern for people. Just do all sorts of stuff. Um, find what you like. Find what you're good at. Find what you enjoy. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing, trying to figure out what I want to do. But yeah. So just try as many things as possible? Yeah. Is that it? I mean, most people have a direction. They know mm. that they want to go in. Mm. Let's say I know I'm not good at math. I know mm. that that's not a direction I want to yeah. go in. But in terms of in the creative field, I have no idea. There's so many possible job opportunities that you don't learn in high school, you know? Yeah. Um, so trying just different things in this field helps me to figure out, okay, I definitely don't want to do that. Or yes, I definitely want to do this. Um, and I think that's helpful, especially if you're at a crossroad and you're not really sure where you want to go. Okay. Uh, what would you suggest to the people who has no motivation on living though? This is not depression. Yeah. This is not getting lost. This is not um not knowing yourself. But this is just like What's the point? Meh. Yeah. What's the point? What's right? the point yeah. of all this? I because sometimes yeah. it can get it does get that way overwhelming like it's not it's not it's, it's like partly anxiety but it's more more of like well I think when you sit down and really think about it uh-huh. you, you do kind of get to a point where you're like what's the point yeah um, not to get bleak but we're all gonna die anyways yeah. and, and you know it can get very very dark very fast <laughs> um, I think I felt that way last December I remember I was taking a walk with my mom and I was like mom like what's the point um I don't think she understood what I meant, but I really felt that way for a couple of weeks. I don't know why a feeling comes and goes sometimes, um, but I really don't know what to do to get out of that. I think it is a reality that everybody comes to experience from time to time. Um, I think for me, though, I accept it. Instead of just trying to be like pushing it away or trying not to think about it, I accept that the reality is sometimes maybe there is no point. Um, but while I'm here, I'm just going to do the best that I can. That's how I view it, at least. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. Right, this is where I give you a break and sort of flip the script and let you ask me any question that you have in mind. Any question that you're curious about? Anything at all? Go for it. Like, okay. I wish that it's not about a podcast because um, it would be a duplicated answer. Yeah, the true. same answer over and over again. But if true. that is what you're curious about, then go ahead. Anything, you can take a minute to think about it. How would you feel that you deal with the uncertainty of your future? I'm curious because I think that's something I'm trying to tackle every single day. Like, I hate uncertainty. And, yeah. I just want to know how you deal with the uncertainty and whether you like it, because some people do. They like not knowing. That that is, that's a good question. That is like, I would I wouldn't say good, but that is like well crafted question, <laughs> right? Uncertainty. I mean, I feel that uncertainty is better than knowing, because like knowing becomes a routine, and routine becomes mundane. Mundaneness is boring. I feel, and I don't know. Probably it's just my personality type. It's not like I like fear. It's not like I'm I'm nowhere close to being Will Smith. But 
I just don't like the mundaneness of life. That is where I kind of don't have a choice but to face uncertainty because in a way, I realize that no one knows anything. No one knows what's going to happen. And everyone, please pretend that they know, that they are certain. But if we can deal with uncertainty as a default mode, then everything will be okay. Yeah. You know, in that sense. But How do I deal with it? I guess so. How you deal with it, your thoughts on it. like My thoughts. Just, I think, uncertainty in terms of so many things. Like, I feel like in life, there's so many things to be uncertain about. Mm-hmm. Career, where you're going to end up, where you're going to live. Like, marriage. Like, so much. There's so much pressure that that is put on re- us to re- be and act a certain way. And Yeah. Recently, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if it's an age thing, but... Recently, I have a lot of discussion with people regarding partners in life mm. and how actually that is such a big deal, like who you marry and yeah. what your children's going to be and what the environment that they're going to be in yeah. will actually affect them in the whole and the whole whatever scar that we have as human beings. Yeah. We try to not bring, like, like you said early on, that is scary. It is. It is quite uncertain. It's a huge decision. Who you marry is highly factored by where you are. Like yeah. if you decide to be based in Malaysia, then someone it most certainly will be someone from Malaysia. Yeah. But if you decide to leave Malaysia, then there's a higher chance that it's yeah. going to be from someone overseas. Then it's going to be a different ball game. Yeah, it's yeah. completely unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it. It's just I don't know. It's There's just, just so, so much crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's so intense. Yeah, so like that uncertainty. How do you do it? That do you just not think about it? I ask questions. That that is also the main reason I started the podcast because yeah. I'm a curious soul that I want to know perspective from different different people. And yeah, I like to know how you deal with things and. The, the reason why I feel like the, the question is well crafted is because it is something that I would ask and, and that is interesting how you because I feel that is why I'm intrigued by you by your presence because of that similarity I feel and yeah. with uncertainty I feel that we don't really have a choice Yeah. we just don't have to ignore it but we just have to embrace them and accept it yeah and accept it and it's a lot like it's it's like driving driving through a dark road without without the lights Head, on, yeah headlights on you just have to just drive mm. and is that you see it when you see yeah, it you see yeah it you see it a step at a time yeah yeah I guess that's what people in their 30s and 40s have learned and mm. that's why they're more chill yeah, because sure. they they have come to terms with it and mm. not ask too much questions, and also I feel um, having kids and having a partner in, in marriage sense actually calms you down. Having a partner in general um, takes down the burden a little bit. Mm. Well, in a good relationship, it should. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Actually, that's that. I really like what you said. I'd never thought about it before, but I like what you said. Um, when you said that you accept uncertainty because the opposite of it would be boring and mundane. Like, if you knew every single thing that was going to happen in your life and exactly how it was going to pan out, it's an even, it's an even bigger what's the point, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, I've never thought about it that way, but what you said is right. Like, I would take uncertainty over the opposite of that any day, mm. which I'd never thought about. So, cool. Yeah, but <laughs> the, the hard thing is, in I would say in Malaysia, I wouldn't say yeah. anywhere. Um, 
in Malaysia, people are comfortable with the certainty. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that is kind of scary mm. because you like you have to be careful who you surround yourself with. I'm not. I'm not saying this as a like sort of scary warning yeah. whatsoever. But <laughs> once you've settled in, like right now, in the next five years, three to five years, you will find yourself. You find you will meet a lot of people who are quite jaded and quite complacent. I think complacent. Yeah, yeah. and it might rub on you. Yeah. So if you the the soul that you are right now, I feel it's it has such a wonderful character Thank and color to it. I, I kind of wish that you would hang on to your belief and and your perspective to not adapt to the Malaysians that we are surrounded by. Because yeah. I I'm saying this out of experience, not. But you, it could I could be wrong because like you said earlier, um, different people experience different places differently. Yeah, right? true. Some people like KL. Well, I think it's that's probably like that in every country. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in every single country you will get people who are complacent and comfortable, and I think being comfortable is both a curse and sometimes a blessing. Like yeah. you know, it's 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 comforting. Yeah, for some people that's exactly what they want life to be. Um, for other people it's not, but yeah. I hope so too. I hope I always chase something bigger, um, but yeah. Yeah, or maybe stick to who you are. Yeah. And not lose yourself. Yeah. How would you describe yourself in a sentence? I don't know if this counts, but I would say I care about a lot of things. I care about a lot of things, and I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. I would say um, you are. Uh, Cancer. July I am 17th, a cancer. Yeah? yeah. So you are selfless. I don't know. This is just vague. Yeah, I <laughs> I do kind of like horoscopes, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah cancers are known for being emotional and emotional. and very attached. And I yeah, I loyal. I right. absolutely one hundred percent relate to everything that it says about cancers. <laughs> Moody, one hundred percent. But also, I just I care about things a lot, and I used to see that as a weakness, but I'm choosing not to see it that way anymore. Mm. I think I care maybe a little too much mm-hmm. um, but yeah that's how I would describe myself I would say I like I like it when things are visually pleasing um, and I, I take great care in trying to make my surroundings and trying to make the things that I touch beautiful in some way to me right. yeah okay, I would say you just turned 21 about 4 months ago right? yeah okay if you were this is a bit tricky this is this could be <laughs> this is an interesting question. I feel okay. I don't want to self praise, but All right. <laughs> if you could give an advice to your twenty-one-year-old kid who's listening, Ooh. probably about forty years from now, I don't know. Yeah, just giving a number, right? What will you tell him or her, and what what will be the last piece of advice that you give to your kid? If this would be the last piece of oh my recorded gosh. content for them to... I can't wait for my kids on. to hit 21 and listen to this, by the way. <laughs> um, but I would say exactly what my mom has been saying to me for the longest time, which is to chill. Um, I think I, I stress about too many things, like uncertainty, for example. Um, I would tell my kids to chill, uh, to be the best person that they can be, not in academic achievements, but just in their heart, as cheesy as that is, just to be kind um, do their best and chill because <laughs> wow. I think the world is really stressful and there's a lot of expectations put on the younger generation like 
don't know, the older we get, I just feel like everybody says millennials are lazy and whatever, but I feel like there is a lot of pressure put on us. And I think, yeah, I'd like my kids to be able to chill and enjoy life a little bit. Yeah. Okay. How do you want the world to remember U.S.? Oh, gosh. As a soul, as a person, as a daughter, as Big a question. friend, as um, a human being. How do you want the world to remember U.S.? Bay Duché. I haven't picked up French yet so. <laughs> I would like people to remember me Like that I was just true to myself um, Yeah I think that's the biggest takeaway that I, that I stay true to myself And I try to my best to stay authentic um, Even when it's sometimes not easy Definitely is not Yeah, yeah. Alright, down to the last question Okay Hello, hello, coffee or Milo? Oh, shit. <laughs> you're this a big is, fan, you're oh, a big fan of Milo. This is the worst question. I'm waiting for my Milo sponsorship, Milo, if you're listening to this. Whoa, um, whoa, I, <laughs> inception. I, Milo, I love... Are you listening, Milo? 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 I love, I love drinking Milo so much. Um, it is the first thing that I buy the moment I touch down at KIA. Mm. I just buy what do you any... Like about it? I don't know, man. Like it's 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 perfect, and every Milo is different in oh. its own way. You know, um, Chinese kopitiam makes Milo oh, a certain okay. way. Mamaks make Milo a certain way. Milo kotak is on another level. Um, is, Mac- McDonald's Milo also good, but you cannot leave it for too long because the ice makes it really diluted. <laughs> There's so much to love, but also I love coffee. So if I had to pick, I would pick Milo. <laughs> That was a tough one. That was a tough one. Thank you so much for being part of Hello Hello. Thank Kobe you for having podcast. me. This is this is the last part. This is the last recording in Malaysia for me for this year. Dang. Wow. Thanks. Thanks so much for being part of it. No, and, thank you. And I just want you to know that I like what you do, and I hope you keep doing it, and hope our path will cross again soon because my love for coffee and Melbourne and art. I think it's our common yeah um common point and also mm. your ideation of how you how do you ideate things and yeah. your perspective actually I vibe with it. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I was actually really nervous before doing this podcast, but it was a really nice conversation. I enjoyed it. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, you asked great questions. Thanks. <laughs> Hello, Kobe Camilo Podcast. 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 Podc